If you if you look up at the, in the other room up at the uh, windows up at the top in the social hall, how many of you have been here for a long time and know what used to be up there? <laughs> so if you if you ever came here when the church was a Unitarian church, and then they were gone home. We we bought the building about six years ago, so we moved upstairs and redid everything. Um, but in the the Unitarians took with them the stained glass uh, pieces that were hanging in each of the windows, and they represented that was it was they were modern stained glass. They weren't. They couldn't take the big windows with them, so we we were able to keep these and get them restored. And so we have we have Jesus and his his friends, which is is a part of really an important part of our temple now. But the stained glass in the in those windows uh, represented all the different spiritual te- all well many I'm sure some were left out. But the uh, many spiritual teachings, sort of the, the the major ones, in the in the world, and uh, they that's the Unitarians are you know open to to all searches for uh, for a spiritual. I what 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 is a search for? I, it's not for. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it's guidance. What do we? What do we? It, wisdom. Yes, wisdom and awakening. So, <clears throat> for all of us, regardless, it's not just about uh, re- religions with a creator God, or it's not just about. Uh, it's about it with all the teachings, and so Buddhism's included in the list. You know, some lists were not included on, and so the Unitarians recognize us. So. Those pieces are beautiful, more modern stained glass. So they were able to take those. And tomorrow, now they have a beautiful, they, they moved to McHenry. So maybe many of you have been there. Chris, you've spoken there. And, um, they, they, and that's why we were able to buy the, the church because we'd been in the basement for 10 years practicing and, uh, you know, when we, we, that's why we started meeting on Saturday, because the Unitarians, of course, use the building on Sunday. So, uh, when we would have, uh, our, we had a taste of Sri Lanka down in the basement where we met, and when we had our chanting, we, and Visaka Day, we would, we would use the upstairs. So we were, uh, and a lot of the people who, who became part of Blue Lotus began with the Unitarian Church, and are still connected. So they are installing, the. they finally have the perfect place to install the stained glass, and that installation is tomorrow. So many of you may be going to that. And Todd and, our go, and I are going to represent Blue Lotus because they have a, well, representing Buddhism. All of Buddhism is, is on our shoulders. <laughs> So it, we're representing the stained glass that's going in for Buddhism. But our special connection with the Unitarian Church is unique. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the Unitarians have that special connection with most other faiths, but you know we feel it really personally. But we're going to, the, to their uh, installation service, and they're asking representatives of all the faiths 
that are uh, represented in their stained glass to also to join. And uh, we're bringing we're bringing something that they're going to. And Todd's been in charge of that. You're bringing. You want to tell everybody what you're bringing. With an aura, cool. So, <laughs> so they're they're going to have a. It sounds like they're they're going to have a case or some something where they put all these little uh, representations from the faith that come the faith community who come tomorrow to represent their stained glass pieces. <clears throat> but they also want all of the people, all of the representatives, to in three minutes or less, to just say why they were attracted to or became involved in the faith that they represent. So I've been thinking a lot about that. And and I know all of you have different, every single person in here has a different reason why you're here today. And and some of you, you're just visiting. So you may, the only reason you're here may be because you're visiting, or you, or you finally decided to come and check this place out, or you're here with someone, or you're, you have a child and Buddha kids, and you're not quite sure why, why, why they're there, why you want them to be there, but this, it felt like the right thing to do. So <clears throat> I kept thinking about what first drew me to Buddhism, and that my story changes even in my head all the time, so it's not... I know what I know when I when I was drawn to it, but I have no reason. No, it doesn't make any sense. There's no reason for it. But um, over the years, what I do know, because I even lived in Japan for three years and was never drawn to Buddhism. I was really drawn to the architecture and Buddhist art, and you know, made all kinds of trips to see all kinds of temples and. Um, but but I wasn't drawn to the to the spiritual part of it. I didn't I didn't experience that. I mean, I saw a different kind of spiritualism in the people in Japan. They're just really good people, but they're not. They don't. Their connection to Buddhism is is more from their his, you know from their culture being imbued with it. But they're they're kind of all over the map too i think they but they they're wonderful people so that wasn't it even though i thought that should be my story should be oh i went to japan and did did it that way that didn't happen but um it was in 1995 when i just was a, someone i knew in japan said had said to a good another friend of mine who had been in Japan, if you ever see this Tibetan teacher, if he ever travels uh, anywhere you are, go and listen to him because he's just a wonderful teacher and he's a wonderful speaker. Does his doesn't his English isn't really good, but you can you know you just go to meet see him. And his name was Otto Rinpoche, and he came to Milwaukee, and I was living in Wisconsin then. My kids were real little, and so the the not all, the one friend was uh, Japanese and lived in California. The other one was in Wisconsin. So we went to see this speaker and could, he could not, couldn't understand a lot, but it was at a Unitarian church in Milwaukee, which Unitarians are everywhere and they're, they're helping everybody. 
So it was a big crowd, and it was at a Unitarian church, and it was connected with Shambhala. He had come as a guest of Shambhala, but he was not a Shambhala teacher. And he had, he had left Tibet about the time of the Dalai Lama, but he had ended up coming to England and staying there. And like so many of the other Tibetan uh, monks, had, had, uh, had married while he was there and had to work and support himself. So he worked as a janitor in a, uh, like a sanitarium for a long, long time, many, many years, until finally there were other students and other uh, Tibetan students and people who knew him and students around him. So before he, I mean, by the time he had retired from that job, he had, he was teaching and he was traveling all over the world. But what I, and, and he became the person who gave me the precepts for the first time. And I took, because there's something happened, and I can't remember very much about what he said, but I, I realized after that encounter with him, and then he was doing a weekend retreat, and that I saw him on a Thursday night and decided, I have to go to that retreat. And so they, I, I was able to get into the retreat and went every uh, from Friday night to Sunday, and then they were having precepts on Sunday. And so I managed to convince them that I should be able to take the precepts. And you're supposed to, you know, like we do, have six months and uh, study. And I said, I, I just, you know, I really, I, I really need to do this, because he was going back to England after that. And I hadn't met or knew anything about Shambhala, so I didn't know their teachers at all. <clears throat> but they allowed my friend and I both decided to do it. It was, it was one of those things where you don't understand why. Because all I remember him talking about was the most important thing to know is just to don't ever give up on yourself. Just try to do better, a little bit better every day. That was, that was the message he gave. And for some reason, that in his presence just made me know. Well, at first I spent, we were driving, my friend and I were driving back and forth from Milwaukee to Lake Geneva every, every night. And by the, and we were just blown away from Thursday night and then we went Friday to the retreat and, and we were talking about it coming home Friday and I said, you know, isn't it wonderful that there are people who have decided that that's their path and that they can actually have a path that they can commit to? Because, I mean, I had been all over the place looking for the path. I'd eventually given up on it. And I said, isn't it wonderful that there are people who can, like, find a path and commit to it long enough to get deep enough in it that they can see this is the right path and stay with it. And I was talking about how lucky these other people were and that was something. That, and then it just hit me, just, wait a minute, I could do that too. There's not really nothing stopping me. But I'd never until that very instant had thought I was one of those people who could do that because I had tried this and this and this. But most of the things I had tried before in my life and I was around, I was about 30, I was in my early 40s at this time, had all been uh, reject, uh, re trying to get as far away as I could from what I grew up with. 
So everything had been a reaction to, to the original, the, my original <laughs> spiritual teaching. And so that, that, that never works. That doesn't work when you have, you know, a, a rebound relationship. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work, I found, with spiritual paths. You don't find something because it's the most different from the one you grew up with. But, but I found that through experience. But um, the, the decision that I made about coming back and taking precepts as a, and, and becoming a Buddhist after a weekend um, was not based on that. It was, it was literally based on something really good that I felt from that teacher. And then what I also felt in the other people who were in the retreat. And, and then they, they allowed us to, they, they handed me a Pema Chodron book and said, okay, can you, if you can read like chapter three, four, and five, and you feel comfortable with it, then you can take the precepts. We'll let you do that. And they asked the teacher, they asked Gato Rinpoche, and he said, he, he met with us and he talked to both of us and said we both could do it. So that three chapters from the Pema Chodron book was my introduction, written introduction to Buddhism in English. And uh, that was 20, 23 years ago. And, and it stuck. I mean, it didn't, that I, hadn't, I hadn't been in any spiritual path that long. And I had, it, I stayed in this path long enough to, now I think about why I'm, why I'm in this, why I keep coming back. And my reasons are very different. They weren't even, I didn't even know that when I began. So I've seen this, this movement in myself from just seeing, being, being drawn to something that just was very powerful and I had no idea what it was, but it was compelling. And uh, seeing it go through several years, several years of being totally clueless about what I was doing. And it wasn't until I met seven years later that I met Bhante Sujata that I kind of got what the meta, I really, it clicked in right away. He was another teacher. Once I met him and meditated with him, and, and you know, his English wasn't very good. Not it was this was maybe fifteen years ago, but you know it was it was uh, better than Otto Rinpoche's. But, <laughs> but there was something about his manner and the way he taught the way he taught meditation made it make sense to me. And so I went from there to a couple of years later becoming a nun, which I would never have ever dreamed would have been something that I would have done. And and my my. Uh, understanding of Buddhism and of the spiritual path has just completely changed. It's always evolving. It always is a, I mean, it's a journey. It's not, it's not about an end result. So I have no idea what I'm going to say tomorrow when, they, when I'm supposed to speak for two minutes about why I was drawn to the path. But I see now the, the, biggest, the biggest thing about it when I think all along the way is that there's something very, uh, there's no, it's not rigid. It's very, there, it's very there's, you can study and, and invest yourself in uh, years and years of study 
You can go in a cave and meditate. I mean, people practice it all different ways, and for many it's just action. But it never, the, the boundaries of it are never uh, like solid. There's never, and the thing I needed to learn and still do in my life is that there's not a black and a white, which is what I was rebelling against from the way I was raised. And, and Buddhism, I think, is the, is the way that I've been able to uh, get the, have, find the experience that I need and still to know that there isn't a black or a white because that's, that's my hardcore, rock-bottom, like, uh, personality. That there's a right and there's a wrong. And Buddhism always is busting that. I mean, it's always, it's every time I think, okay, this is solid, then I realize, I find out, no, it's not really. Like, I don't, I don't know enough, or I don't see, I don't have the, a wide enough perspective to see it. And, and I won't be in this lifetime. So I keep, I keep experiencing that. Don't create walls around this. Don't, don't feel like you can say, this is what Buddhism is, and this is what Buddhists believe. There, there's, there isn't anything. We're, we're almost like Unitarians. <laughs> uh, but, but it's, it's because each one of us has a separate path, and so we're, we have to, we, we can just keep growing in it. So the, all those boundaries that we may create, just eventually, eventually, like I'm, I'm learning, and I'm a slow learner, but. I know that that's what I that's what I'm having to experience as I as I grow in the path is to let go just to keep letting go of things let go of every let go, let go. and the biggest thing and the Buddha taught this and I guess it's what I keep coming back to you know the Buddha taught about uh, no self and he and he taught you know, not to depend on teachers and not to depend on tradition and rules and books. And, but he, he taught that we have to let go. When we talk about letting go of self and reaching equanimity and those, the, the real middle path, we're letting go of viewpoints and we're letting go of labels. So we're letting go of Buddhism. We're letting go of labels we're letting go of even our viewpoints. Like, like I can, uh, I have to let go of that. I have to let go of how I see the world. Because I'm never going to see, I don't see the whole world. I don't see it all. <clears throat> and as long as I hold to a particular point about my little particular place in the world, what I can do is see, this is my experience right at this moment, right in this particular position, this is what I see. I don't see beyond these walls, you know, like if I, it's like the room. I can look at the world, but I'm still seeing it from my particular viewpoint, and I'm not seeing it from the, from absolute, any kind of absolute truth. And that's, that's really what I've been looking for. That's, that's what I've always been reacting to, and didn't know it. Like I knew somewhere, I kept knowing somewhere that we can't know everything. We can't, we can't make judgments for everyone and the world. So, so the Buddha is the one who says, 
You know, we have to let go of our viewpoints. We have to let go of... uh, It's not just let go of our prejudices, let go of our... uh, let go of our our fancy stuff that we have. That's just the, that the the fancy stuff is real minor. But when we start talking about letting go of even our viewpoints, even our we have to let go. I think even whatever we learn today, we need to be able to let it go tomorrow because tomorrow we may see even something broader. You know, we, our experience will change us every time we have an experience, which is every second. Uh, the same way our bodies are changing. So, uh, for me, the, the Buddhist teachings are really teaching me, they're just exactly what I need to be taught, which is to always be shaking the, the ground, like, keep, let, like feeling like somebody's always... Uh, jerking a carpet out from under my feet. Like that's what I that's what I've been looking for all my life. Instead of somebody telling me, here's this belief, hang on to this, and here's this truth belief. Now you hang on to those real tightly and you'll be safe and everybody else is going to be in big trouble. <laughs> and that's how I was taught. I was going to be one of the safe ones. And all these people I love and all the rest of the world who hadn't heard the same message I heard, that they were lost. And that just never felt right. So now what I'm learning is I'm the one who has to let go of the beliefs and the viewpoints and the perspectives and the, the labels and the uh, everything else. Let go of everything. And that's the way then we can help everybody. Uh, and and that's, that's a, for me that's enough. But... Um, I, I'd like to ask all of you, think about that. Like, think about why you're here. Think about, and if you're back for more, if this isn't your first time, think about why you came back. And it's not just because, you don't want it to be just because uh, this place feels good. It does, right? It always feels good to me, too. But you can't just keep coming back because it feels good, because... Like Bhante Sujata was saying, then you're, you're going to be a, attached to the feel-good feeling you get here, and it's not going to, that's not real. You know, it's going to keep you in a narrow space. So, thank you very much.